A word of warning before we begin the story. This story contains graphic descriptions of a true crime that involves young children and that some may find very disturbing. Discretion is advised. In the early morning hours on August 13th, 2018, the man picked up his wife's body and put her on the floor of the small confined space in the back of his work truck. Next, he instructed his two young daughters to get into the back seat of the same truck. They had both been woken up from a deep sleep and carried their blankets with them for comfort. He then drove out to a remote oil field in Colorado. When he arrived, he dragged the body of his wife from the floor of the backseat of his truck as his two young daughters looked on, instructing them to stay where they were. What happened next is heartbreaking and horrifying. Welcome to the Beach House 34 True Crime Podcast. I'm your host, Christine Worth. On Monday, August 13th, 2018, a pregnant Shanann arrived back at home after having been on a business trip. It was late, around 1.48 in the morning, and her friend and colleague, Nicole Atkinson, had driven her home. Nicole watched as Shanann got to the front door and entered the code to let herself in. The doorbell camera also caught Shanann approaching, rolling her suitcase behind her. You can see the headlights of Nicole's car as she backed out of the driveway. Shanann knew that her two daughters, Bella, who was four, and Celeste, who was three, also called Cece, would be sleeping, as would her husband, Chris, so she tried to be as quiet as she could. Later that same day, Nicole and Shanann had a business meeting that they were required to attend, but Shanann never showed. Nicole then texted her and didn't get a response. She knew that Shanann had an obstetrician appointment that day as well, and although she might be busy, it was still unusual that Shanann didn't text her back. Nicole became so concerned that she even visited Shanann's obstetrician and asked if Shanann had been in for her appointment. They told her that she had not shown. Nicole then again tried calling Shanann multiple times, still with no answer. After multiple attempts at trying to reach Shanann, Nicole became so concerned that she went to Shanann's house to check on her. Maybe she just overslept. She wasn't feeling well the previous night when she had brought her home, so maybe things took a turn for the worse. Shanann was also diabetic, and Nicole, of course, thought the absolute worst. She rang the doorbell with no answer. She then knocked on the door, again, with no answer. Finally, she called Shanann's husband, Chris, at work. She told him that she was worried that Shanann hadn't responded to any of her texts and no one was answering the door. Chris then told Nicole 
that the two of them had a conversation the previous evening and they had decided to separate. Now, this was news to Nicole. She knew that they were having issues, but that's all that Shanann even thought it was, just her typical married couple issues. Chris then told Nicole that Shanann had taken the girls on a play date. But the problem with this was that Shanann's car was still in the garage, and her car was the only vehicle that had the car seats in them. Nicole then called the police. Nicole County Communications, this is Stacey. Hi, Stacey. My name's Nicole, and I'm calling because I'm concerned about um, a friend of mine. Um, I dropped her off at her house at 2 in the morning last night because we were out of town together, and we were on the way back from the airport, and um, issues, and she's pregnant. And I haven't been able to get a hold of her this morning, and I've gone to her house, and her car's there, and stuff like that, but she won't answer the door, she won't answer phone calls, she won't answer text messages, and I'm just really, really concerned, and she had a doctor's appointment this morning, and she didn't go to it, and I'm just, I don't know what to do. I called him and talked to him, and he said that she went on a play date with her other two daughters, but, like, if she went on a play date, they're both in car seats, why would she not take her car? (laughs) Perfectly understandable. Do you happen to know her address, Nicole? I'm asking Sam, okay, what house? It's 2825. Saratoga Trail and Frederick. And then I said, like, Chris, can you just come home and check to make sure she's okay? Because the shoes she wears every single day are right inside her door. And he was like, yeah, I'll be there in three minutes. Well, that was 45 minutes ago. And I called him and asked him again, can you please come home? And he's like, I'm 45 minutes out. Okay. Um, Nicole, I'll go ahead and put a call in. I just need you, if you could please repeat her address to make sure I have it entered correctly. 15 weeks pregnant and she wasn't feeling well over the weekend and she was very like distraught and out of the sorts because her and her husband are having issues so because she wasn't like eating or drinking and stuff like that so then this morning I was like let me know if you need me to take you to your doctor's appointment because you're not feeling well and I have called and texted I've come to her house she's not answering the door she's not responding to text messages phone calls I've had other friends reach out to her none of us can get her to respond to us um they have two little girls that are um, three and four. I mean, there's no movement in the house whatsoever. And he states that she didn't take them to daycare and was going to go on a play date, but they're both in car seats and their car, her car is here. What's her name? It's in the garage. And I'm like, well, huh? What's her name? Shanann Watts. It's S-H-A-N-A-N-N Watts, W-A-T-T-S. Do you know her date of birth or how old she might be? Oh, if you want to ask me that, I would know it. Um, That's okay. If you just know her approximate age, that's exciting. She's going to have the 20s, early 30s. Okay. Bear with me here one moment. When was the last time that you heard from her? 
when I dropped her off at her house, I okay. watched her and made sure she got in the house. Okay. That was at 2 a.m. It was actually 1.55. I literally live like five, ten minutes from her. And her vehicle is, is it parked in the garage? Yes. It's a light Lexus. And I probably, because I was concerned, I, I know I don't want to get a doctor's office in trouble, but I went to the doctor's office because I then used them as doctors, and I said, I know you can't give me things because of HIPAA, but can you just tell me if she showed up at her appointment this morning? And the lady was like, no, she did not. Okay. Is that that unusual behavior, behavior for her to not show up to her doctor's appointment? No. Okay. No, no. She, I mean, pregnancy, like, she was so excited and then got blindsided from her husband that he wanted to separate okay. a week ago. And her husband's name is Chris? Yes, his name is Chris Watts. And he told you that um, she went on a play date today with the girls. Okay. Um, yeah, with their four-year-old. And she told me last night when we were driving home, she's like, the morning's going to suck because I have to take the girls to daycare tomorrow. And I made the statement, well, you could keep them home with you. And she was like, no, that'd be more exhausting. <laughs> she's like, I have to get up to take them because I have a doctor's appointment at night. Bear with me here one moment. I'm just typing this information in the call here. And I'm not trying to cause problems more between them. I just want to know if she's okay. Phone number. No, no, give me one second and I'll look it up for you. It is nine one zero eight five zero three two eight six. Okay. And Chris told you that he was on his way. Um, yes. I just talked to him. Well, I talked to him earlier. One of our other friends did via text because I was going to the doctor's office, and she said he would be here in about 30 minutes, and that was at 108. And then I called him and said, Chris, I'm at your house. I'm not trying to cause drama or anything. I just need to know your wife, okay? I was like, where are you? And he was like, I'm on I-70. I'm about a half hour to 45 minutes out. And I just said, okay, and then I hung up and called you guys because that, I mean... I'm just worried. <laughs> okay, Nicole, what kind of vehicle are you in right now? I'm in a white Dodge Dart. Okay. Alrighty, we do have a call in. Nicole, we'll have an officer come out that way as soon as we can. Um, I would just advise you, you know, to not try to make entry into the house or anything like that until the officers can get there. In the meantime, if you do hear from her, um, just give us a call back and let us know, okay? Okay. All right, you're welcome. Thank you. For two eight two five, Sarah took a trail of a party who's checking on a friend who's pregnant who's not answering the door. When the police arrived at Shanann's home, Nicole was there waiting for them. 
What's that? Do you remember me? Yeah. Hey, ma'am. How you been? Hi. You, Nicole? Yes. Okay. So what's going on? So my friend, um, we were out of town for a business trip this weekend. All right. And I dropped her off at two o'clock this morning. She's 15 weeks pregnant. She wasn't feeling well, and she had a doctor's appointment this morning at nine. And I told her to let me know if she needed me to take her. She's got two little girls, and um, she was very distraught over the weekend. wasn't eating normally or drinking, and we kept trying to force it on her because she's pregnant. Mm -hmm. um, her husband and her supposedly are separating, but she didn't know this. She thought they were just having issues. He disclosed that to me today. Because I called him and I was like, have you talked or heard from Shanann since she left for work this morning? Because I can't get a hold of her. I called, I texted. Her car's in the garage. Her shoes she wears every single day right at the front door. She only has one vehicle? No, they only have the one vehicle and work truck. Okay, that's what I'm asking. There's not a... Okay, no answer on the phone, husband's on his way. And I have to close this door. You do? I do, but there's a bang on it. There's a, no, it'll, you know, Chris, everything can do it. There's a, they have the things left up here. Oh, what about the garage door? I guess. Uh, do you mind calling him and see if we can get a passcode to this and get my permit, give him, give me permission to go in? Okay. I'm just going to check the back, see if I can see anything. Right. I just want to look at all the windows in the ground. I don't see anything at all. Do they? How you doing? You seen your neighbors today? No. Okay. Oh, we're just trying to get a hold of her. So like she wasn't feeling too good and pregnant, and they're just concerned. No, I know he. You didn't see her today, though, any outside or anything? Okay. All right. Is there a key code for me to, to open the garage from the outside? What is it? Because mom's going to get it. Okay. This is her parents. All right, what's the key code uh, the, the garage? Well, I can't go in, but if they allow you to go in, I have to have the property owner's permission to enter. What's going on? Okay. Well, he's the property owner. Well, he told me Katie was at a girlfriend's house. Do we know who that is? Do we know who? Her phone number? He didn't say. When did he tell you that? He needs to be second. I don't know. He told me that Shanann didn't take the girls What's Chris's phone number? Hey Chris, Officer Coonrod for the police department. Pretty good. So, do you have any idea where your wife is? Okay. Right. Well, my concern is her car's here. They're saying she is diabetic. I don't want her if she's upstairs and can't respond. Okay. How far are you? Okay. All right. Thanks. He said like five minutes. He's about here. He was, he stole this four or five minutes, two times in a row. He stole one of the, one of my last friends that was on I-45 from the interstate pretty much. Mm -hmm. And yeah, we waited the time for 
told that mom called again. He said he was still on it in the way that it worked. So he's just been giving us false times and everything. And we know he's been lying because his stories aren't adding up. Right. So I've looked at the stories. And do we have, like, her parents' phone numbers or anything? We can call them and make sure. She's not close to them. Oh, she's not? Not that. Uh, she's she, she still talks to them and everything, but we don't know any of the coast of the house or anything. Well, I was just thinking maybe they were watching the kids or they were, she's visiting yeah. them or. The they don't. Okay. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I don't see anything out of place. I'm not hearing kids. I'm not hearing anything. Yeah, and all of her stuff is here, and I set off the door by trying to open the garage forcefully and that didn't work. So, and their alarm's one of the ones where it goes off and it feels like it's making ears bleed. Mm -hmm. So, if she was in there, she would have heard it. Yeah, she would have while she was sleeping because they have little things on the wall on every room to go off. What's um, Shannon's number? I don't hear the phone ring or anything. Yeah. Um, the neighbor has a, a camera system. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, uh, we have one story, she's out, she's with a friend right now, and then there's another story, she's going to play a day with her kids with another friend, and then she left in the middle of the night, so he's told us two different stories, so he, he over there said he has, cam he has a camera, but they, that's no exactly view. the street, so, sorry, yeah, he, uh, we asked him if he could see, he was able to see if she ever left the house, but I don't got someone else's car. Shannon! Are you home? Police department, if anyone's inside, make yourself known. Police department, if anyone's inside, make yourself known. Hey, you think they were here, the kids or someone would respond, no? Hear some kind of noise. As you may have heard from the audio, Nicole tells the police that she knows the code to get into the house but she's unable to because there's an additional lock uh, on the inside of the door that prevents the door from opening. The police then ask if she can get in through the garage, but she explains that yes, she can, but an alarm will go off. The police again try knocking with no response. An officer walks around the house, jumping into window wells and knocking on windows. He then made it to the top of their deck in the backyard and looked inside. There was no movement. He again knocked. In the meantime, Nicole's older son, who arrived with Nicole, is with the officer. The neighbors had come out onto their deck, and the officer asked them if either of them had seen Chris or Shannon that day. They hadn't, but then as the officer continued to move around the house, the son stayed and spoke with the neighbor. After circling the house, the officer returned to the front of the house and asked Nicole if she happened to have Chris's phone number. So Nicole went ahead and gave the officer his number, and it was then that the police called Chris at work and asked him, So, do you have any idea where your wife is? Chris told the officer the same thing he had told Nicole. Shanann had taken the kids to a friend's house for a play date, but he never gave the name of the friend. After hanging up with Chris, they continue to knock and yell that it's the police department. If anyone's in there, please make yourself known. Nicole's son then tells the officer that the neighbor had said that he had some footage of the previous night and 
His outdoor camera happened to catch some movement in the early morning hours. Chris finally arrives home. He pulled up in his dark gray truck and parked in the street. The back of the truck is filled with equipment that he uses on his job. Nicole is standing outside the garage as Chris makes his way from the driver's side of the truck to the passenger side and takes something out. He then jogs up to the police officer and shakes his hand while at the same time opening the garage. John, how you doing? How's it going? So this is the only vehicle she would have? She would drive? Okay. I mean, that's up to him. It's his house. Come on, if I come in, Chris. You checked upstairs. She's not there. I just want to make sure she's not passed out somewhere. Is she diabetic? Mind if I look around? Okay, thanks. Chris then goes inside the house to open the front door for the police officer. As the officer and Nicole walk inside, Chris makes his way into the kitchen area. The officer then asked him if he had checked upstairs. He was concerned that she may be passed out somewhere because she was diabetic. Eventually, the released police cam footage shows the officer heading up the stairs, and as he makes his way to the top of the second floor, Chris walks out, saying that he had just found her phone. Nicole, now she's still on her own phone. She is surprised that Shanann's phone is still there. The officer asks if Shanann works from home, and Nicole says that, yes, she does. What's interesting about the footage is that Chris sets Shanann's phone down on this uh, wide banister. And he's looking down at the phone as Nicole walks over to also look at the phone. It doesn't take Nicole long to distance herself from Chris. She seems to be almost repulsed uh, by the fact that she's anywhere near him. Chris then says that Shanann's phone is her lifeline and that he found it underneath her pillow. It had been turned off, and Chris was in the process of turning it back on. Nicole asked Chris if he can look at any of the security cameras to see maybe when Shanann left. And Chris responds with, unless she went out the front door. Now, I don't understand this statement because there is clearly a doorbell camera, and we know it's working because there's footage of Shanann coming home after Nicole dropped her off, right? Nicole then says to Chris that he had told her, Nicole, that Shanann went on a play date with the girls. Again, as Nicole is asking Chris these questions, she is physically distancing herself from him. Chris then said, well, that's what she told me. She went to a friend's house with the kids. That's why they weren't at school. As Nicole is still on her phone, she says that Addie, she turns to Chris and says, Addie said you told her that Shanann and the girls left in the middle of the night. In the meantime, obviously Nicole's on her phone, and I can only assume that at this point she is speaking to someone named Addie. Chris then says, oh no, she didn't leave in the middle of the night. I, you know, she didn't. The whole time, the police body cam is focused on Chris and the conversation that he's having with Nicole. 
Not once does the officer interrupt the conversation. Here's what it sounded like. What does she do for work? She works a uh, direct sales company called Drive. How often does her blood sugar drop low? Actually, her friend in Arizona said that it, that's the first time it's ever happened. She normally has migraines, like a while ago, but she's been had, she had them a lot this weekend. Yeah. Cass is a nurse. She figured it was because her blood, blood pressure sugar was dropping yeah. because she wasn't eating her normal that she normally eats. Like, she took a couple bites and she was full. Okay. And, uh, she, she, she doesn't ever black out or have no, seizures or anything like no, that. No, I mean, long, 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 long time ago. It, she, had, she had a car wreck, and I believe that's what happened. But Imitrex is something she takes for a migraine. She she took more Imitrex this last month than she ever has before, but that's just because she was no problem with humidity mm-hmm. and everything like that. She was there for six weeks, and we got back Monday or Tuesday, and then she flew out to Arizona Friday, Friday morning, and then she got back last night. About 2 a.m. Flight got delayed. She left about 11. She got here at 2. Okay. And I went to work this morning about 5.15, What do you do? I work at oil, oil and gas in Darko. What do you do for them? Operator. Oh. Long days then? Yeah, I, I, I definitely still got there. Yeah. Yeah. It's always a long day, especially in that There's no, like, off text messages. Can you look at your camera and see for their security system to see when she left? That's why she left out the front door. Because you, you told me that she went on a play date with the girl. That's what she told me. You, Daddy said you told her that she, yeah, she went with some friends. With, she left. She went to go to a friend's house with the kids. Well, That's why they weren't at school. Daddy said you told her that she left in the middle of the night. Oh, no. She didn't even know the night. No. Yeah. Where do you get to go to school at? The whole time that Chris is responding to Nicole's questions, he has Shanann's phone in his hands and appears to be looking at it very intently. The police and Chris eventually head over to the neighbor's house, the one who has the footage from the previous evening. By this point, there is another officer who has arrived and he continues to check things out at the home. Nicole's son go over to the neighbor's house. They stand there in the neighbor's living room and the neighbor pulls up the security footage. It shows Chris's truck being backed into the driveway, and the very tail end of the truck, it's a foot or so into the garage. As Chris is watching this, he's explaining that he usually backs his truck in because he has a lot of tools in the back of the truck, and he has to lug them into his garage. Water jugs, my book bag, my computers, some of the tools that I have in the toolbox. I knew I was going to have to do some pumping, pumping in the rubbers today. That's why I was out so far. Is this on continually? Yep. Recording? Yep. Well, it's not. Is it motion or is it? Event, okay, so it's motion. Any motion event that happened, I got. But I get cars driving from this street, from this street. And this is him at 517. Park out there on the side. I just want to get everything done. Be easier to lug everything out there. All the tools that I had to bring in. No. Rocks back and forth, and if you look, I mean, other roads just stuff in and out of the garage. Right. 
and it doesn't look like he came from that hill, it looks like he came from down the street. And then the other thing that doesn't make sense is why would he pull past this part? You can see him pull past. Are you able to record this? Uh-huh. I'd have to call Comcast so I can get him to do whatever. But watch, just see him get out. And he walks back and forth a couple times. To be completely honest with you, my wife and I were kind of wondering when she was on vacation if something happened, because I've heard them full out screaming at each other at the top of their lungs, and he gets crazy. Does he? And that's pretty recently? Yeah. At one point, while Chris is watching the video, he put both of his hands on top of his head and stood there like that for quite some time. And then he eventually just walked out of the neighbor's house. Um, As he's walking out of the neighbor's house, the officer tells Chris, hey, you go ahead and go because I have to get your neighbor's information. The neighbor then turns to the officer after Chris is gone and said, he's not acting right. He's fidgety. He's rocking back and forth. And if you look, watch, and he refers to the video, you'll see him get out and then he walks back and forth a couple of times. Chris's explanation is that soon after Shanann got home, he woke her up to tell her that he wanted to separate and that she then got upset and left to a friend's house with the kids, but he didn't say which friend that was. The police then questioned him on this information. And what was the conversation this morning you guys had? It was about the selling the house and the separation. And how'd she take that? We were both pretty emotional. We were both crying. And then did you see her before you went to work? Did mm-hmm. you say anything to her? Well, she went back, like, well, she told me she was going to go to her friend's house and be with the kid, take the kids with her. Oh, she told you she was taking the kids yeah. to her friend's house? Yeah. She didn't say who, though? Oh, no, no. No, but she was still in bed when that happened. And this was after the conversation? Yeah, it was between like 4 or 5 a.m. I woke up about 4 o'clock. What time did she get home? 1.48. So did you guys sleep for a little while and then... Oh yeah, like I was passed out when she got home. And then did you wake her up? Yeah, when I got up. And that's when you discussed yeah. that? Yeah, I, I, I didn't want to do it like over a text or over a phone call. I wanted to be face to face with it. How long did that conversation last? Probably like 30, 45 minutes. And then you went to work? Mm-hmm. I went. I left about 5.15, 5.30, right in that time frame. And then she said she was going to her friend's house with kids. But she was still here when I left. At this point in time, the police didn't locate Shanann or the girls inside the house. And so, since there was nothing more they could do at that location, they left the house and Chris stayed there. As they're outside, they tell Chris that they appreciate him letting them go through the house. The next day, on the 14th of August, friends and family begin to hand out flyers asking if they've seen Shanann and the girls. The police again show up at Chris's house, but this time they bring dogs. These dogs are there to pick up the scent of Shanann and the kids, and the police need their permission, which Chris goes ahead and gives them. Chris Officer Lyons with the Frederick Police Department stops press. And we've got Boulder County Sheriff's Office. She can't. She can't. 
Hey, so um, we brought in some extra resources to try to locate your family. Okay. Um, with your permission, um, we've got three different canines available. We'd like to collect some scent and kind of get the dogs okay. in motion, if you're good with that. Okay. They are going to need to come inside the house, um, kids' rooms, any of your wife's articles, anything like that. Okay. Is that okay with yeah. you? You do understand it's completely voluntary. Okay, okay perfect. The canine search teams then begin the search of the premises, and they start with the front porch, including having the dogs smell underneath the cushions on a small couch that is there. And as they enter the house, one of the people says something to the effect of, it smells like cleaning chemistry inside. Another person then states that the place almost looks too immaculate to be normal. It's amazingly clean. In the meantime, there's a number of reporters that have shown up and are standing outside of his house, and this number is growing. At one point, you see an officer again come to the front door and tell Chris that he needs to have everyone step outside of the house. You can see in the footage, just inside the door, there is a reporter and her crew setting up for what appears to be an interview with Chris. Chris ends up granting at least three interviews. In one interview with KMGH, he asks Chris, did you guys get into an argument before she left? He responds with, it wasn't an argument. It was an emotional conversation. Oh, I don't know where my kids are. I don't know what Shannon is. It's, it's not something I could ever, ever fathom would happen in my lifetime. And... I, I have no inclination of where she is. No, this might be a tough question, but did, did, did you guys get into an argument before? It wasn't, it wasn't like an argument. We had an emotional conversation, but I'll leave it at that. But it's, I just want them back. <laughs> I, just, I just want them to come back. Shannon, Bella, Celeste, if you're out there, just, just, just come back. Like, if somebody has her, just please bring her back. I need to see everybody. I need to see everybody again. This house is not complete with, without anybody here. Please bring it back. In this interview, as you can tell, his voice is pretty unemotional. What you can't see is that he's standing there with his arms crossed, and this makes him appear very defensive. There are two things that stick out with this interview in particular. The first is that he is rocking from side to side. Now, this may be a nervous tick, or it might not be. The second thing is that as he's answering questions, saying he just wants his family back, he's shaking his head from side to side. It's not too noticeable, but it's noticeable enough, which indicates that his body is saying no, while his words say something else. And if I've learned anything from profilers is that these are little micro signs that the body is telling you, even though the person is saying one thing, their body is signaling something else. So as he's asking for this unknown person to return his wife and daughters, his body is telling you, no, like what I'm saying is actually not true. Additionally, as he's saying this, he can't keep a smile off of his face. Every time he utters a word, he smiles, almost as if he's just overjoyed with the fact that he did something, he got away with it, 
and can't help but be almost thrilled at this knowledge. As another day goes by, there's still no sign of Shanann or the girls. The police, however, they're keeping very, very close tabs on Chris. The FBI and the CBI, the Colorado Bureau of Investigation, join in the search the next day. They discover that Chris has been having an affair with a co-worker named Nicole Kessinger. In June of 2018, Shanann had taken her two girls on vacation to North Carolina to visit her family uh, for about six weeks, and they left Chris in Colorado. During the first five weeks, Chris is free to continue his affair with Nicole. Now, this is not the same Nicole that is the friend of Shanann's. I want to make that very clear. The last week of their vacation, the sixth week, Uh, Chris flies out and joins them, and then he comes back with the family. Now, Chris is brought in to the police station for questioning, as would seem very normal. Uh, During this questioning, he's asked if he had been having an affair. And of course, the police have already discovered the truth, but they want to see if Chris would fess up to it. I need to ask you about um, your marriage and uh, infidelity. Okay, tell me about it. I have never cheated on my wife. It wasn't really something that I like super wanted everybody to know about. I gotta ask, what's her her name? (laughs) I don't have another one. You sure? I'm sure. Okay. Would you tell me if you did? Yes. I was monogamous with him. I wasn't seeing any other men. But I wasn't like, hey, this is the guy I want to spend the rest of my life with. Honestly, like, he wasn't out of the marriage that he was already in. Highly trained investigator over here, right? I see pictures of you from a few years ago, mm-hmm. and I see you standing before me now. Okay, I'm okay. Right. you've gotten pretty fit. Yes, yeah. You can imagine when guys start cheating or want to cheat, that's what happens. Yes, so tell me about it. But I did not cheat on my wife. The other female, or the female voice that you hear in that audio is actually his girlfriend who was in another room being questioned at the same time. They continue to ask Chris questions, such as what's her name, and Chris just laughs and says, I don't have another one. Even though the investigator is giving Chris every possible way to come clean, knowing he has been having an affair, Chris still continues to deny it. In the meantime, his girlfriend, she's talking about a weekend that they spent in the Great Sand Dunes National Park at the end of July. Uh, His girlfriend says that she met Chris sometime in early June, maybe even May, and that she had been to his house at least twice for very brief periods of time. She did also say that she knows for a fact that she was at the house on the 4th of July And the second time was on Saturday, the 14th of July. During one of the visits, she saw a picture of his wife and kids, yet she still continued to have an affair with Chris. Walking in on someone else's life, seeing their life, seeing their kids, and yet still continuing to want to continue the relationship, that's crazy. The day after Shanann and the kids go missing, his girlfriend then searches the internet for 
Can cops trace text messages? And how long do phone companies keep text messages? And can you get printouts of text messages? After police dive into the messages between Nicole and Chris, they uncover thousands of text messages, images, and videos. What Chris did is he used an app on his phone to keep these hidden from his wife. And according to Chris's girlfriend, she and Chris were having relations three to four times a day and had just been together two days before Chris's wife and children went missing. Chris was then brought back to the police station to do a polygraph test. Now, this isn't unusual with any crime, especially when there's a spouse. Um, He's warned ahead of time by the polygraph examiner that it would be really stupid for him to be there taking a polygraph test if he did actually have something to do with his family's disappearance. As long as you tell me what the truth is today, you will have no problem with passing, okay? I promise you that. And obviously, I mean, I hope that you know, if you did have something to do with their disappearance, um, it would be really stupid for you to come in and take a polygraph today, right? Like, it would be really dumb. Like, you should not be here right now sitting in this chair if you had anything to do with Shanann and the little girl's disappearance, okay? Okay. The examiner, who's a member of the CBI, the Colorado Bureau of Investigation, first gives Chris a series of test questions before the polygraph even begins. Now, these are really simple questions. Uh, He's supposed to repeat the numbers one through five. Uh, The only one that he did write was the number three. And when he got to that number, he was supposed to lie about it. So he goes through and, and says, no, I did not write this number, this number three, and so forth. After these are finished, the examiner tells him he failed miserably. And she flat out tells him that this is actually a really good thing. He's not a good liar, so it makes it easy. He still then agrees to the full polygraph. She interestingly asks him what he believes should happen to the person if they find out that something happened to Shanann and the kids. And he responds with life in prison or the death penalty, right? When they finally get to the actual polygraph, here's how it went. Regarding Shanann's disappearance, do you intend to answer all of the questions truthfully? Yes. Is your first name Christopher? Yes. Before 2018, did you ever lose your temper with someone you cared about? No. Did you physically cause Shanann's disappearance? No. Were you born in 1985? Yes. Before 2018, did you ever say anything out of anger to a loved one? No. Are you lying about the last time you saw Shanann? No. Are you now in the state of Colorado? Yes. Before 2018, have you ever wanted to hurt someone to get even with them? No. Do you know where Shanann is now? No. This portion of the test is complete. Please remain still while I take the instrument out of operation. Once she's all finished and she's done testing Chris, she then takes the information and leaves the room, telling Chris that she's going to go quote unquote grade this. After some time, the examiner re enters the room along with an FBI agent 
and tells him that he did not pass the polygraph. And she thinks that he knew that that was going to happen. So, um, it is completely clear that you were not honest during the testing, and I think you already know that. Um, he did not pass the polygraph test. Okay. Right? Okay. So now we need to talk about what actually happened. And I feel like you're probably ready to do that. Uh, I, didn't, I didn't lie to you on that polygraph, I promise. Chris, I, I'm, I'm, I'm Chris, no. Just stop for a minute. Take a deep breath. I I want you to take a deep breath right now. There's a reason you feel sick to your stomach. And when people hold stuff inside, it makes you physically ill. And I can just tell on your face, I can tell tell from the second you walked in, that you were wanting to just come clean and just be done with this. And I appreciate that because you knew sitting down in that chair that you weren't going to pass today. And you knew I was going to find out because I told you that. And then you continued to stay knowing that you could, at the end, say, you know what? I just need to get this off my chest. Like, I just need to tell you what happened. We're not, we're not here to play games. We're not here to do any of that with you. We just want to know what happened. So can you start from the beginning and tell us what happened? Everything that I have to... I told you I did, I did not lie on this polygraph. I am. I don't know how much I could I could tell you right now. Like I did not. It's, it's not even it's not even an option right now because you did not pass the polygraph. I so I know you were being deceptive. So that's not even an issue, an issue right now. The issue right now is what happened to Shanann, Bella, and Celeste. That's the issue right now. Okay. Okay. So let's talk about that. I've I know. I know you want to tell us. I, I can I can see it in your face. Holding this light in is going to do nothing for you. I, I know that. Like okay. I'm not like trying to like cover things up. Like yeah, but you kind of are because in in it's normal. Normal people would do that. Normal people that make a mistake initially are going to go. I don't know what you're talking about. I didn't do anything. That's normal. I would expect that. It's just like if you ask your kid, you know, did you write on the wall? And they go, no. And you're like, I, you have a marker on your hand. Like, I know you just wrote on the wall. And they're like, oh, okay. That's a natural reaction that someone's going to initially lie about something like that and then eventually tell the truth. So this is your eventually telling the truth time. This is where this is where the rubber meets the road, Chris. Like, don't let this continue any longer, please. I'm not trying to make anything continue. Like, I want them back home, like... But you know they're not coming back home. You know I, that. I don't know in the back of my head. I'm, I hope they come back home. But you know they're not. I, I hope they come back home. Mm-hmm. I don't know they're not coming back home. Chris, Timmy, and I are confused. Okay. And here's what we're confused about. I told you that we've done some work overnight. Yeah. I told you that we've got a lot of leads. Okay, that wasn't a lie. Uh-huh. We know a lot more than you think we do. Okay, and here's where we're confused. You're this great guy. I'm not just telling you that. Okay, I'm telling you that because everyone tells us that. Okay, we can't find anyone to say anything bad about you. Chris is a great guy. He's a good father. He's a good man. We're confused as to why you're not taking care of your beautiful children. I'm not taking care of them right now. Right now. Where are they? I don't know where they're at. 
I do not know where they are at. If I could have my babies back home right now, I would. I want them back. I want everybody back. That is God's honest truth. Okay. There's a lot of guys who come in here and try to tell me that. And I know they're lying. Okay. Because they can't answer those questions that you can answer. Okay. But you aren't here today lying about something else. So we need to talk about that, okay? About you, daughter. I know. And this is very good. Keep I, 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 I'm not proud of it. I, I don't think anything like that could happen. I don't think I'd ever do it, but I did. I know. Keep going. She accused me of it. I denied it. I, I she was on her, and I felt horrible for it. Like she was pregnant, and it was. I don't want. I didn't hurt her. I cheated on her. I hurt her emotionally. I cheated on her, and I feel absolutely horrible about this. But that's what I've been holding. I think when I, I didn't go to the Rocky game, I was with her. I went to dinner with her. Okay. Keep going. That five weeks I was alone, I was with her most, most of the time. As you can tell, even when faced with the results of the polygraph, he continues to insist that he didn't lie. Now, the police, they obviously aren't buying his story and continually try to get him to open up and tell, tell them what happened to his wife and kids. Eventually, as you heard, Chris does admit to cheating on his wife, that he never thought that that would happen, but it did. He said that Shanann accused him of cheating, and he had denied it. He felt horrible. She was pregnant, and he didn't hurt her. But note that during that conversation, he said that Shanann was pregnant, not is pregnant. The agent then asked if Shanann did something. But Chris said that she didn't do anything to those kids. We both love them with all of our hearts. There's no way. I did notice that as he's talking about this here, he doesn't he doesn't use the past tense though of like loved. We love them with all of our hearts, not loved. The CBI agent then said it could have been an accident. Something happened in that house that you know about. She flat out says, we know something happened to all three of them. But they need to know if something happened to these baby girls first that you then had to take into your own hands and deal with. And then the FBI agent jumps in and says, you had to clean it up for Shanann. I personally hated this line of questioning. You know, I'm sure there's a rhyme or a reason to it, but to me, it gives Chris an out. If he hadn't thought of this idea before, he most certainly did now. Something like, hey, you know, it might have been your wife's fault. And Chris is thinking, well, hey, I hadn't thought about that. Let's go ahead and go with it. I'm sure that this is just a tactic to get him to slip up and to add to the lies, because the more he adds to the lies, the more he has to remember what he said. And that's extremely unlikely, especially if he's forming this story just off the cuff. Chris then asks to talk to his dad in the interview room. Chris is all but whispering, and even his dad has to strain to
to hear him. Chris tells his dad that after he talked with Shanann about the separation, she wasn't herself. He heard commotion upstairs, and when he went to check, the girls were blue. He was trying to protect Shanann. His poor dad is sitting there, is just beside himself. He's obviously very, very much in shock. The FBI and the CBI agents then come back into the room and ask Chris to tell them about what he told his dad. He again tells the story of Shanann going upstairs and killing the girls. He then admits that he did strangle Shanann because of what she had done. His dad continues to sit there to have a hand on his son's back while his other hand is holding his head in disbelief. Chris tells the officers that he then loaded them up in the truck and took them out to the Survey 319 location, which is a place that he had been working. Now, Survey 319 is an oil site. It's located on Survey Ranch. Uh, it's on about a 35,000 acre cattle ranch, which is about 45 minutes to an hour away from his house. Now, this didn't surprise the officers. The day after Shanann was reported missing, the police asked Chris's employer for the GPS data of Chris's work truck, which they obviously provided. It showed that shortly after Shanann had arrived home, Chris's work truck was located traveling to Survey 319. The CBI agent asked him where he put them in order to get them to that location. Chris said that he put Shanann's body behind the driver's side seat of his work truck and then had his girls get into the back. His dad moves over to comfort Chris even more. Now, after the CBI and FBI agents leave, he continues to talk to his dad, telling him how unstable Shanann was. The agents then return to the room and his dad leaves to go tell the family what had happened and what Shanann had done and that the girls are gone. The agents have brought in pictures of the Survey Ranch and the Survey 319 location. And this picture has the two oil tanks on the ranch. Chris then points out where Shanann is located and then points out where the girls are. One girl was in each of the 20-foot-tall oil tanks. The agents then have him repeat his story as to what happened. And again, he said he told Shanann about wanting to separate and how she then went into the girls' rooms and killed the girls. They ask how it happens, how Shanann did it exactly. He said that there was a monitor in the master bedroom where he saw Shanann strangling one of the girls. He then said that Shanann was on the bed and that Chris pulled her off onto the ground, which is when he began strangling her. One of the agents asked Chris if he was okay with the public knowing that Shanann had killed her daughters. Chris hesitates, and then he says that he didn't hurt them. It wasn't him. The FBI agent then turns to him and says he didn't believe him. So Chris is arrested for the death of Shanann. And the police then go to the oil storage site. Uh, it was around 
uh, three miles north of Rogan, is what they say. The police found a set of crude oil storage tanks, and upon opening the tanks, they found the girls' bodies. They had been pushed through a hatch at the top of the oil tank. And remember, one girl was in each of the oil tanks. There were only two oil tanks on the site. This hatch was only eight inches in diameter. Bella, the four-year-old, she had scratches on her buttocks from being shoved through the hole and a tuft of blonde hair was found along the edge of one of these hatches. This tuft of hair was from the tank where Cece, the three-year-old, was found. Shanann is located just 100 feet from the tanks in a shallow grave just two feet down, face down, in a fetal position. The sheet that Shannon was wrapped in was still at the location. Now, Chris never went on trial. Instead, what he did is he entered a plea deal where he would admit to what he had done, but for life imprisonment instead of the death penalty. He was sentenced to five terms in prison without the possibility of parole. He finally told his actual story. It's at this point that Chris says that when his wife got home and got into bed, they ended up having sex, and that's when he told her, quote, I don't feel compatible. I don't feel like this is going to work. He then got on top of her, and she told him to get off and started saying, I knew there was somebody else. I knew there was somebody else. Chris then said in a later interview, I just couldn't tell her that there was somebody else. Then Shanann said, You're never going to see the kids again. You're never going to see them again. Get off me. Don't hurt the baby. Chris talks about putting his hands around her neck, and he doesn't understand why he just didn't let go. He says that she wasn't fighting. Maybe she was praying. I just wish I could have let go. I was shaking. I didn't know what had happened. I didn't know what to do. I didn't know what I had done. Shanann's dad, however, said later in an interview that Shanann was a fighter and there was no way in hell that Chris would have successfully killed his daughter without her putting up a fight. He believes that Chris killed Shanann while she was sleeping. At this point, while this is happening, their oldest daughter, Bella, walks into the room and she's got her pink blanket with her and she asked Chris... What's wrong with mommy? Chris told Bella that mommy didn't feel good. At this point, Shanann was lying face down on their bed. Chris then wrapped his wife in a sheet and carried her down the stairs. He told the girls to get into his truck and had them also get into the passenger compartment while he laid Shannon down on the floor. When I was driving up there, you know, they were just sitting there just kind of asleep or kind of just like, you know, holding on to each other, laying in each other's laps. Honestly, like I try to picture that, that whole ride, like it's like 45 minutes to an hour ride out there. And it's just like, couldn't I have like saved my girl's life? Couldn't I have done something? Why did I do that? I don't know. 
I wanted all my life was to be a dad, just to have you know, kids and they loved me, they, you know, all that kind of stuff, and nothing made sense. So what happened when you got out there? CC first. Blanket over her head. Did she struggle at all? So, then went down to Bella. Tell me what happened there. She said, What happened to Cece? Every time I pulled my eyes, I said to see her say, Daddy, no, and that was it. I hear that every day. Once Chris got to the site, he took Shannon out of the vehicle and drug her over to an area of the field. The whole time, the girls are asking what he's doing with mommy as they sit in the back of the truck, watching. He then said, Cece was first. He put the blanket over her head and strangled her right there in the back seat of his truck. Bella asked if what happened to Cece was going to happen to her, and he couldn't respond. He put a blanket over Bella's head, and she said, no daddy, no daddy, and Chris claims that he is haunted by her saying this to him, for which I personally am incredibly happy about. He then called the girls' school, and he told the school that he was unenrolling them. He then called a realtor to get into the process of selling his home. And then he texted his girlfriend. After going to jail, he continued to talk about his crimes. A woman came forward, saying that she had spoken with Chris while he was in jail about seven or eight times. Another woman said that she visits him about once every two to three weeks. Both of them say that Chris talks about his family, how he loved his wife and his kids, and he wished that he could just go back to a normal life. Now, Nicole, the girl or the woman with whom he was having an affair, couldn't believe what he had done and felt that he, if he had done that to his wife and kids, who's to say that he couldn't do it to her? And while it's really easy to blame Nicole, it's not her fault. She fell for the fact that Chris made promises, likely to leave his wife and kids for her, which we all know is a bunch of bullshit that are fe- that's fed to women anyway, just so they'll have an affair with the married guy. Nonetheless, he still has plenty of women visit him in jail. And his one visitor, Anna, said that Chris told her at one point, he felt as if an evil spirit had overtaken him, like it wasn't him who was doing the killing, but that it was as if something else had taken over his hands and did it for him. The thing is, strangulation, much unlike how it's portrayed in the movies, It's not an easy or quick way to kill someone. It takes effort and a lot of time. A California court document states that it takes 33 pounds of pressure on someone's neck in order to strangle them. The victim will usually pass out within 20 to 30 seconds, but in order to take their life, brain death will occur after four to five minutes. In Chris's case, he was looking directly at his wife as he killed her. He couldn't handle looking at his daughters, so he put blankets over their heads as he took their lives. Now, Chris's mom 
gave an interview to Nine News uh, KUSA in Denver, where she spoke about the relationship between Chris and Shanann. Uh, Chris's mom admits that she never felt as if Shanann was the right person for Chris. She talked about Shanann complaining to her, complaining to Chris's mom, about how Chris didn't know how to do certain things, about how much product he used in his hair, even about the fact that Chris wasn't someone that she would normally date. The bottom line is Chris's mom did not like her. His parents didn't even attend their wedding. She did say that she didn't know much about the personal dynamics of their life, but she did know that Chris would literally drop everything in order to help Shanann. Five days later, on August 21st, Chris was charged with three counts of first-degree murder, including one count per child, cited as, quote, death of a child who had not yet attained 12 years of age, and the defendant was in a position of trust, unlawful termination of a pregnancy, and three counts of tampering with a deceased human body. Later, Chris's lawyer gave an interview with the Dr. Phil show. His lawyer said that Chris confessed to killing Shanann after an argument over divorce. While Chris was in the process of killing Shanann, Bella walked in on the action. On the action, seriously, on the action. On November 6th, Chris pleaded guilty to the murders at the request of Shanann's family, who didn't want any further death around the family. The district attorney did not put the death penalty on the table. On the 19th of November, Chris was sentenced to five life sentences, three consecutive and two concurrent without the possibility of parole. He received an additional 48 years for the unlawful termination of Shanann's pregnancy and 36 years for three charges of tampering with a deceased body. He was taken away immediately to begin serving his sentence. Not long after Chris was imprisoned in Colorado, he was moved to an out-of-state facility due to security concerns. Now, personally, I wonder if those security concerns were that other inmates wanted to get at him because of what he did to his own children. You know, even inmates have a code of ethics. You don't mess with kids, period. Uh, Nonetheless, Chris was moved to the Dodge Correctional Institution in Waupun, Wisconsin, uh, to finish serving out his sentence. In June of 2021, Inside Edition reported about further confessions from Chris uh, that he had made to a pen pal. And in multiple letters, Chris explained that he had planned the murder for several weeks and that, unbeknownst to us, OxyContin was actually found in Shanann's system, but it was given to her by Chris, hoping to end her pregnancy because he believed that would make it easier for him to be with his girlfriend. He also gave new details about the murders of his daughters, saying that he tried to first smother them in their beds at home, but he failed. Chris will spend the rest of his natural life in prison. Now, before I end this episode, and thank you so much for hanging with me, I know it's been pretty long, I just want to take a moment and thank Shannon's friend, Nicole, for everything that she did. She is the real hero 
of this story. Without Nicole, it's likely no one would have even noticed the family was missing. We wouldn't know half of what we do, and Chris may have gotten away with all of it because he wanted a different life with a different person, and for some reason, he thought that killing his family was better than just getting a freaking divorce. We should all have a friend like Nicole. That's it for this episode of the Beach House 34 True Crime Podcast. Thank you. Thank you all so much for listening. And I will have something brand new for you next week. You are so appreciated. Thank you so, so much. Thank you.